Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Duo Draft Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Jack Biddle, along with the man who only has one burner account. However, it's on LibertyBallers.com, Jacob Wertheimer. It, keep that burner silent. Can't let the people know. I mean, once people find out that it's me, it's not a burner anymore. That's true. Ryan. It took me three um, seconds to find this account, though. <laughs> it's very easy to tell it's me if you know anything about me whatsoever. <laughs> I make it pretty obvious. Um, it, I, but, you know, I didn't notice there. until... You the you, you, Jacob texted me a gif after Brian Colangelo was fired today, <laughs> and it was With literally the same, the same one. one he posted <laughs> on the discussion board. It's like, oh wait, <laughs> yeah, it didn't take the same level of detective work that the that the Ringer article took. Yeah, who knows? Maybe I should have been leading the investigation. Maybe should have been. Yeah. All right. So, in case you've been living under a rock for the past week and a half or so. This is day 10, so it really is a week and a half. Um, Brian Colangelo started some Twitter accounts. Well, okay. Brian Colangelo's wife started Twitter accounts defending Brian Colangelo. Allegedly. Alleg- well, it's confirmed now. She did that. I don't think it's her still, but we'll get to that. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, she is lawyer legally confirmed to have started Twitter accounts defending her husband, um, trashing certain players, and beating Markel Fultz, uh, trashing Brett Brown at one point, disclosing medical information on Julia Lokafor, um, attacking Masai Uri, live-tweeting her son's basketball games, um, basically a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing, particularly on burner Twitter accounts um, that are all linked to Brian Colangelo's wife, um, and today, Colangelo was, uh, well, Colangelo resigned, quote-unquote, but was pretty much yeah, fired put some air quotes um, around that. by the Sixers. And in the interim, uh, Brett Brown will be replacing Colangelo um, as GM of the Sixers, or head of basketball operations, until they appoint a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first off, I want to say that if you still haven't actually read the article yes, by please, the ringer please read you the have article. to do it because it's legitimately one of the best things i've ever read and like i'm talking like i don't mean articles i'm talking like you can compare this to any book this thing is like so good that you're just gonna read it top to bottom yeah, it's fascinating and then you'll read it's it to your just... friend who's already read it because he's not a dumb dumb and he read it himself but you'll read it to him even like it's the best thing it's Unbelievable! The amount of investigative work went into this, everything that went around mm-hmm. in the calling, uh, the notifications, the fact that the Sixers or Colangelo knew a week before the investigation went public, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he still couldn't get his way out of it, um, which about tells you everything about the Colangelo family as a whole. Um, and it, the fact that the Sixers still took ten days after they were notified, um, yeah, a week early. So it took them 17 days to come to this decision, which is, you know, about on par with the Sixers. Just, yeah, okay. So Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really shocked it took this long. Um, yeah, that, let's, that's step one. Why do you think it took this long? I think, I think it was a combination of just due process. You know, they wanted to do this professionally. Um to kind of save face for themselves and for Brian as well. I think they wanted to kind of go through with a thorough investigation to kind of give a fair chance or at least come off that way to the league and to, to everybody else that, like, we're going to be fair about this. Um, I think that they really wanted to kind of get to the root of things. And, you know, you see O'Brien resigns, he's not fired, right? I think a lot of this was done... To give him maybe a shot at getting another job in the future, yeah, whether that's what it seems like. as an assistant GM or the actual general manager or whatever job it is. Um, but, I mean, I don't even know why they need an investigation, to be honest. I don't think whoever was doing the investigation discovered anything Twitter didn't find out itself. Yeah, no, Twitter was very clear on what they had found, and it happened in less than 24 hours. And yeah, it was pretty impressive. Some very enterprising Sixers Twitter individuals um, deserve a reward for basically doing the investigation's job for them. Um, mm. Ultimately, the, the our report came out from Philly Voice's Kyle Newbeck, um, 
because I want to plug my sources when I get them, that uh, Jerry Colangelo threatened the Sixers. Yes. Um, Not the Sixers themselves, but the Sixers' relationships, which means what? I don't know. Um, if If they fired his son. Um, which, one, you're not very recused uh, from the situation if you are threatening ownership. That's just yeah. Like that's step what? One. What is that? Like S- step two, it's already clearly nepotism that you hired your son in the first place. One hundred percent. It's you might say that he's qualified as a general manager, which. Man, I just want to read you some things that I found going through Colangelo's transaction history to just let you know how much of a qualified general manager he is. But it's clearly... The Colangelo family as a whole made it 70 Mm -hmm. years in the NBA without ever doing anything notable. What did they do? I mean, Jerry's influential. But why? Like I mean, I'm just starting. Jerry, Jerry was big in, in what he did for the city of Phoenix. I think. Well, I, I'm um, okay. I'm just talking about like purely like moves, m- moves, and, and as an as a yeah. Because didn't Jerry miss out on Kareem? No, he lost a coin flip. Um, I'm sorry. Was That's Jerry involved with the Phoenix championship in '79? I don't think he was. Was he? Was he gone by that point? Mm, I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure between them in 70 years, they have not won a championship. Yeah. But I am not clear on when Jerry Colangelo left Phoenix's operations. Um, Mm. But other than Team USA, it really doesn't seem like the Colangelos have done anything successful in basketball, ultimately. Um, And the fact that they've coasted 70 years on relationships and NBA politics is just... (laughs) It's... It's not okay as a whole. And Brian Colangelo, say what you want about the job he's done with the Sixers. I think it's fairly clear that he was at least middling, if not bad. Um, I'm not willing to judge the Fultz-Tatum trade yet because I'm waiting, waiting to see actual Markel Fultz before I make a decision, particularly mm-hmm. because he's working out with uh, Drew Hanlon, um, and that's giving me a lot of hope on his shooting prospects and that he can come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think when... And that boy can jump. Yes. Man. Um, he posted uh, just like a set of five dunks on Instagram the other day. And that boy's getting his head up to the rim with some serious hang time. I'm just needed His athleticism. Is yeah, you can tell from that last rebound on this triple-double uh, yeah. back in May. Early, late April, maybe. Um, April. Yeah, that last rebound. You just know how athletic he is. I'm not really, I'm mm-hmm. not willing to judge that yet. But in terms of what Brian Colangelo actually did for the 76ers in his time frame, technically drafted Ben Simmons, but doesn't, that doesn't count. count. He's number he one. He had the number one pick. He was the best prospect. Clearly, if he had picked anyone else, then it's Colangelo. Yeah, there's there was no there was no question who was the number yeah, one. Yeah, so pick. I don't really credit him for making the right selection when it, anybody can make that pick. My baby cousin makes that pick. His favorite player is Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's you know he's four. He makes that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, drafting uh, Cabarro, who can't get off the bench and doesn't look like he's improving. Even though I liked the I liked the pick at the time. I like. I can't Jimmy. fault him. It's um, sad. It yeah, didn't, didn't work. Um, Drafting Furkan Korkmaz, who was injured, so I, I don't want to say anything about Korkmaz. Um, signing Jared Bayless to yep. a three-year, $8 million per year contract. Three-year, $27 million. Yeah. Uh, it fluctuates around the salary. Um, which they now have to get rid of if they want to sign LeBron James. Or, yep. we'll, yeah, Paul George, too, because it would be easier to get rid of him than trading other pieces and whatever. And um, I want to say he's played half a season of two years of the contract because he was injured for one and year then just of it, sucked for the second and he year. just stunk for the other half of this season. Um, <laughs> well, he stunk the whole yeah, season, that's true. and then we were at some point. Brett Brown was like, "I'm, I'm not done. playing you. You're not playing anymore." Um, let's see what else happened. Uh, overpaying Gerald Henderson. Um, I forgot about Gerald over, Henderson. Wow. Overpaying Sergio Rodriguez. Wow, Sergio. Oh, my God. Um, I blocked these guys out of my memory. 
Uh, let's see. Now there were there trading. were good yes, signings. Trading. Here's but the first good thing he did as a, the general manager of the Sixers: trading Jeremy Grant for Ersan Eliasova and a first round pick. Good trade. Good job, Brian. Good trade. Um, yeah, and I mean, and there were some good signings like JJ Redick and Bellinelli. I just want to go through but, in my mind what, he, what everything that has happened. Um, well, the thing is. The good, even the good signings, right? Redick, Bellinelli, he picked up. Those were guys who wanted to play for Brett That's Brown. That's true. Brian didn't sweet talk them. Okay. You so. know, these are guys who wanted to play for Brett. So I can't even give him full credit for those. For those, yeah. because it's not like it's not like people weren't thinking of signing JJ Redick. Every Sixers fan like, was hey, like, "I want JJ Redick this summer." With me. <laughs> Everybody was like, "I want JJ Redick on a one-year overpay this summer. That'd be great." And so it, it was happened. like, it was the obvious move. He did it, good for him, but like, it's not like, wow, he made such a crazy move know. nobody would have thought of. It's not that no one thought of it. It's still a good move that he did it, so I can't, I think it's that good I move, give him credit for the Reddick like signing. A, it's not the, like a round of applause. The, uh, Bellinelli and Ilyasova signings, I, I think more on Brett than on Colangelo, but he should still get some credit for them, ultimately. Some credit. Um, but I think most of the credit for those two go to Brett. But other than that, it's the Fultz trade. Which Jerry's out on. Mm-hmm. Um, Amir Johnson's contract, which doesn't really matter. Uh, trading Okafor and Stauskas for Trevor Booker, <laughs> um, who you then cut <laughs> so you could sign Arizona yeah. Um So for nothing. Trading Nerlens Noel for a fake first round pick. Um, Just want to throw in one of my favorite tweets from the Burners accounts was about Nerlens Noel's laser tag instead of being with the team, which I thought was weird because I don't remember that ever being reported. I don't either. Which is like, this was really some, whoever, that like totally tipped me off was one of the tip-offs. Like somebody, whoever's running this really knows knows the team. Because this was not in the media that Nerlens Noel was away playing a laser tag, <laughs> which I think is absolutely that also hilarious. That strikes me as such a Nerlens Noel thing, though. <laughs> it totally does, and I loved it. Uh, come back, Nerlens. Come back. I'd take Nerlens back. I like Nerlens bench, still. Bench big for the vet minimum. Would Nerlens take the minimum? I'd do it. No. Maybe. What? He's not getting offers. If he got no offers, would he take rough. the minimum to come back here? No, I don't think he wants to be here anymore. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. Unfortunate. I would have liked Nerlens yeah. back, back up. I like Nerlens. Um, but yeah, so that was a long, convoluted way of uh, talking about how, why it took them so long. But okay, so the other two sides of this are: Do you think they made the right decision? One hundred percent. I think they. Yeah, I mean. My thing is, like, this isn't a court of law. In this case, he's guilty until proven innocent. Because if there's any shred of doubt, then there will be trust issues, mm-hmm. right? If you can't 100% say it's not him or anybody tied to him, I can't trust him. Somebody in that locker room, some player in another locker room, some GM across the league is not going to be able to put faith in Brian Colangelo anymore. Um, And in my eyes, I didn't see how they could have fully absolved him from all of this and be like, you're not... Like, I don't see how you totally prove it, that he's not related. Yeah, the only way they could have Um, kept it so he wouldn't have gotten fired or would be systematically proving who it was and that it wasn't related to Colangelo. Like, they would have had to have given me... Like very clear and convincing facts that were okay. This isn't Colangelo. It's not his wife. It's not anyone involved with Colangelo's circle. It's this guy. Right. Here are all the connections. This is it. Right. Then, I would have needed a ringer level article proving that it was somebody. Which I else. think they would have found. I mean, the, the law firm would have released something, and if they had found that, then the Sixers would have know come what out they with some. Dug up honestly, because some of the evidence in that ringer article was so damning, like. When the guy calls the Sixers, yes, and he only mentions one account, and they all dis- they all become private immediately. He mentions and two accounts. He, he mentions the, the, he mentions the Eric Junior account too. He right. He mentions two, and the others just disappear. And the uh, and the little errand boy, who, I don't know, was he an intern who we talked to on the phone? Was like I only spoke to Brian. Yeah, that guy. And that's when I was like, all right. Like, I don't, that's why I think they're really pinning it on the wife 
to be honest. Um, I th- no, I think that she really did tweet the I things. I think maybe she I think some he of also them. knew. He says he doesn't, but he, there's no way he doesn't. I'm 100. I'm like 95 percent confident that he knew because that bit of evidence yeah. right there is like, how did this happen? Um, yeah, but just before we go on any further, I do want to actually yeah. give credit to Ben Dietrich for creating the story. We never named him, but oh yes, this is, this is yeah, Ben no, Dietrich's amazing. bit of uh, analysis, and he deserves an award. As a, as a fellow process truster, give Ben Dietrich the Pulitzer. He he totally deserves it. And whoever the anonymous tipster is, uh, yes, I love enough you. Sixers. Someone, I know. Whoever enough um, Sixers is, good for you. That guy's great. Um, and also, I love how the the new Game of Zones episode yes, came out today. Amazing, I love it. And they and there's kind of this moment of realization um, in Colangelo's character, and they're like, um, it's like some analytics expert, and he's like, Hinky. <laughs> I thought that was just like the best moment. Um, yes, if you don't watch Game no, of I think, Zones on Bleacher Report, go watch that. It's so funny. Oh yeah, they're so amazing. Funny. It's really phenomenal. The rookie, the rookie of the year episode, on top of all of the yes. shots at two K, which any two K yes. player can very much appreciate. All of those two yes. K shots. But the little details that that show puts in, like Gordon Hayward's ankle being backwards and Derrick yes. Rose's knees falling off. Oh, man, <laughs> Derrick Rose's knees falling off. And they have the inside team jokes, even. Like, who, the who is Malcolm Brogdon yep. at the end when Simmons is like, who the hell are you? Like, that just, I mean, it's great. They know everything about every franchise. Those guys are something else. Mark L. Fultz hiding behind the chair until the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready now. Knocks off and beats head <laughs> with the dice. Oh my god. Uh, all right, off track. Getting back on for the last part. Who do yes. you think the Sixers hire or are looking to hire? As I think you guys. So I've got it down to four people. In my eyes. Mm-hmm. There's Jesus himself. <laughs> Sam Henke returns, which I don't think is realistic. No, but if the, possible. Did you see the question? Come at, on. from the. Uh, the press conference today. Yes. That they didn't they didn't shoot it down. I honestly think Josh Harris was just so incredibly distracted by yeah. what was happening in that question that he didn't know how to answer it and just didn't mm. shoot it down. I think it's less likely that Hanky takes an interview with them much than they mm. give it, but there's still no chance that he's coming back. None. Yeah, yeah, it's really sad. Um but somebody made a great point. The last uh, Philadelphia general manager to be rightfully reinstated to his position. Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman, Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so, bring back Sam, anybody? Um, no, Sam's the obvious choice, if possible, but I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Um, and that leaves you with David Griffin, mm-hmm. for obvious ties to LeBron James. Um, Mike Zarin, yes. assistant of the Boston Celtics, who's my top pick, because I think he's probably the best guy available. And then uh, Troy Weaver, assistant GM of Oklahoma City. Okay, yeah. Um, just because, I mean, regardless of how their season panned out this year, especially with Carmelo, who just terrible, and bringing him in was a bad idea. Although it looked good when it happened, I guess. Yeah. Because um, it didn't look like they really gave anything up. Um, no, Preston's been City, as one of the better GMs in the league, so taking Presti's yeah. protege isn't a terrible idea. It's not his fault yeah. that they got rid of Harden. I don't hold that to Presti. I hold that to ownership not wanting to pay Harden and then Presti having mm-hmm. to work with that. Yes, I believe so. Um, and then holding out hope for Durant coming back. I don't blame him for that either. You have it to. It didn't seem like Durant told him that, like, hey, there's no way I'm coming back. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you can be like, yeah, I'm going to trade Durant. Like, right. how do you explain to your fan base, um, yeah, I just traded Kevin Durant? Yeah, I think, I yeah, I still think Presti's a great general manager. Um, and they they just have an eye for talent in Oklahoma City, you know? I mean, they draft good guys every year. They do. Um, so he's, like, my third pick. I would go Zarin number one, Griffin two, Weaver three, is how I'm ranking mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, the other... People that my other thoughts on this, um, Zarin is interesting, but I don't think it's likely considering in 2013 mm-hmm. the Sixers tried to hire Zarin as well to be the GM, um, and he declined the interview because the thought process behind it seemingly being, um, 
him not wanting to leave Boston. He's a native of Boston, Boston fan. Mm-hmm. Um, the heir apparent to Danny Ainge whenever Danny Ainge retires or quits or whatever happens to Danny. It, it would seem to me that he is just waiting to take his dream job as the GM of his favorite team. Um, so while I wouldn't put it past the Sixers to at least get an interview with him, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, David Griffin seems to be the favorite um, in the Philly market right now. Yep. Um, Troy Weaver's not a bad idea. Uh, the assistant in San Antonio, I like. Um, yes, anybody from San Antonio. Any, anyone from this. If you can get a Spurs guy Anything. in your system, it's... Yeah. Spurs water boy. Yeah, there you go. It'll work out. Um, yeah. I think those are all options. I w- it, it seems like it's going to be David Griffin, and it'll be sometime in between the draft or free agency is my bet on when all mm-hmm. of this happens. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Now, the real question is whether or not David Griffin is just, like, even if the Sixers get LeBron with David Griffin, is David Griffin a good enough mm-hmm. general manager to be That's worth the position? I think we really, a lot of people have sung his praise. Um, I don't think we know anything about who he is as a GM, honestly. Because I think a lot of the moves that happened while he was in Cleveland were directly LeBron James. Like, a lot of the contracts that were signed were just LeBron doing it for his buddies. Yeah. Like, I don't think J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson really get those contracts. And I don't think Griffin gives them those contracts if it's not for LeBron. Yeah, no, I agree These are the guys I want on my team. You're going to pay them and reward them. Um. So I can't, I really don't know much. I think he's, in a lot of ways, he's kind of a mystery, um, even though he seems to be the clear-cut guy in most people's eyes. Yeah, he also seems Uh, to have a lot of great relationships around the league, just in general. People seem to very much like him. Um, Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be a bad move, at least from a PR perspective, if you're the Sixers, to go with the proven relationships general manager guy, who also happens right. to be a very close friend of the one person you target more than everyone else this offseason. Yeah, if he nets you LeBron James, it was a good choice. Yes. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I guess the last question with the Calendula situation, does he ever get another job anywhere? I think he goes and lives the rest of his life running an Italian basketball team. Perfect. They live in Italy for four months a year, from what I understand. Um, so just screw it. Just run an Italian team. Be the big star. Be the NBA GM, GM running the Italian league. Running the Italian league. Relax in Italy and live the rest of your life on a ton of money and just having fun in a beautiful country with great food. Yep. Sounds like a good plan, because I, I, there's no way he gets a GM job again. I don't think yeah. so. Not, not head GM. Yeah, also, because I, I promised this earlier. Things that I noticed looking through Brian Colangelo's um, form, a transaction report as a GM. Mm. Traded three players and a first-round pick that became Ron Artest mm. for Luke Longley. The Luke Longley Express. And only Luke Longley. No one else, <laughs> nothing else is involved in the trade. Three players and a first-round pick for Luke Longley. Also, trading Luol Deng to Chicago for nothing. For <laughs> nothing. And not, this is right in the sweet spot of they're going to sign Steve Nash that summer. So you have on that roster Sean Marion, Joe Johnson, Steve Nash... Amari Stoudemire, and Lou Waldang. That's the mm. perfect modern roster. They would have had mm. it in 2004. Mm. That would have been incredible. But nope, that doesn't happen. Nope. Uh, dumping jo- uh, Joe Johnson because you lowballed him with an egregious contract offer. Oh, yeah. Wow, I forgot about um, that. So he goes, to Atl- I saw Joe. he goes to Atlanta. And so now it's just Sean Marion and Stoudemire and uh, Steve Nash. Yeah, goes to Atlanta and continues to evolve into eventually a 25-point-per-game scorer, may I add. Yes, so that happened. Uh, Training, in the first place, Steve Nash. (laughs) 
<laughs> to the Mavericks. Um, trading Jason Kidd for Stefan Marbury. Trading mm. a bunch of picks and players for pe- injured Penny Hardaway. Then somehow managing to dump Penny and Stefan Marbury on the Knicks for some form of something. So that was a good move, but the fact that you had to clean up that move and needed Isaiah Thomas to bail you out yeah. tells you everything you need to know. And yeah, that's just bail him out of his own mess. Uh, traded the pick that became Rondo for cash. Um, oh, see, I'm sorry. I want to stop you right there. This is the most frustrating thing to me with Brian Colangelo. He just gets rid of draft picks for cash. He did this to the 76ers with some of my... He took guys in the second round I love, Sterling Brown, Jacob Evans, and then he it's sells Juwan them. Evans. Jacob Evans is in this class. Juwan Evans. Jacob Evans Juwan is in this Evans, class. I, I like, I like Jacob Evans, too, players of the class last year. Just FYI, that was a thing that I had happening. Um, so that probably puts my grain of salt uh, with all of my draft opinions. Um, but I had Jawan Evans as a top 15 prospect last year. I mean, I just, I just didn't get it. But like, what do you get? Somebody explain this to me. There must be something I'm missing. The other big thing, there must be that some beauty really to selling picks for money. Yeah. The other thing that was hysterical is the big thing out of last draft was the Bulls selling their Jordan Bell pick to the Warriors for $3 million oh, yeah. or whatever. So guess who didn't pay the fee to go to the mm. global prospect camp this weekend? The oh Chicago my. Bulls. It was $10,000. <laughs> they were the only NBA team that didn't pay it. <laughs> so they sold Jordan Bell and couldn't go to the prospect camp because they didn't want to pay ten k. Oh, my God. The, those, the Bulls are... Wow. Okay. <laughs> I think we can take away my Aaron Gordon going to the Bulls theory because they're not, if they can't pay $10,000 for a scouting camp, they can't pay... They're, they're not, not going to overpay, overpay on a... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was just Phoenix of Brian. Now, then we go into the Toronto scale, and outside of acquiring uh, Kyle Lowry and drafting DeRozan, it's drafting Andrea Bargnani and then re-signing Andrea Bargnani and signing Hidu Turkoglu after this big magic season to a terrible contract and trading mm-hmm. for Rudy Gay and selling more draft picks and drafting Terrence Ross. <laughs> it's, was, that, was that Masai or was that uh, Colangelo? I don't remember. I don't even know. I'm still thinking about Andrea Bargnani, <laughs> the seven-footer with a career average of 4.6 rebounds per game. He was very much who I thought Laurie Markkinen was, so I'm impressed that Laurie Markkinen was not that. Um, still wrong about that. Laurie Markkinen, prove me wrong. Yay, Laurie. Um, but yeah, so Colangelo, not a very good general manager. Oh, by the way, the year that he traded away... Um, all of those picks that could have become Andre Iguodala and Rondo and whatever else for cash. Guess who won executive of the year? Brian Colangelo. <laughs> Love the NBA. So fun. Um, yeah, so that happened. That was the big story of the week. The other thing that happened, the Warriors are up 3-0 on the Cavs. Not surprised. Um, do you want to talk about the J.R. Smith thing? I mean, do we leave that alone? I, th- I <laughs> that's anything that's, is possible. That's the right reaction to that. Just anything is possible. I mean, credit J.R. Smith getting an offensive rebound on a free throw. It was a great rebound. Great rebound. Great hustle play, J.R. Just know where you are on the court, and Ty Lue will know you can call a timeout. <laughs> There's. There's a clip. They have the straight 90 seconds after. Yeah. And you just see the Cavs sitting on the bench. And LeBron's just dead. I mean, he's gone. He knows he lost the series. And then Ty Lue comes to the bench. LeBron looks at him and says, did we have a timeout? And you can see Ty Lue's like, yeah. And LeBron just puts his hands on his face. And he, in that moment, I really believe, left Cleveland. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. They don't deserve him. Okay, actually, I do want to talk about this. I want to put on record the where LeBron can go thing because it Mm. seems like the four destinations that are possible are Mm -hmm. Cleveland, 
Houston, yes. Philadelphia, and the Lakers. Los Angeles, yep. I've heard reports of Golden State, but that's never happening. It's just not No, nah, that can't happen. He can't even talk to them. No, it's... It, if he talks to them, I'm done with him. Yeah, no, it's... No, not, not happening. Um, San Antonio is popular, but they don't have the cap space for it to work. It would need a lot of cap maneuvering and finagling and a lot of things would need to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible. Same thing in Boston. I've heard Boston, but A, playing again with Kyrie Irving will be, would be very interesting. Yeah. Guys, what's everybody thinking about um, that? Like, what? They don't want to, Kyrie does not want to play with LeBron and anymore. Two, they don't, he made this clear. They don't have cap space. They just don't. No, they don't. Um, and how many small forwards are they going to have in Boston? That's true. What is that lineup looking like? Are they not playing a center ever? Is it? Are they not playing anything but small is, forwards? Is, they could roll out five small forwards the, the, and be the fine. The first time lineup is Kyrie, Jalen Brown, LeBron, Jason Tatum, and, and Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Hayward. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, so that's not happening. So if we just take those four. Uh-huh. Cleveland is at negative forty million in cap. I think something yeah, around there. Can't. Yeah. Um. So, it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they can still sign him because he has bird rights. He would have to go back to the situation he's in now, with yep. no hope of any good players ever coming to the Cleveland roster ever again. Yeah, the only hope for an Cleveland. inept coach and an owner he hates. The only hope for Cleveland is that they pull off a draft night trade. For what? I don't know. There's no... I, this is a prayer. I mean, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan is not enough to save this, this is a prayer for Cleveland. No, just if you're Cleveland, draft Wendell Carter or Michael Porter or someone like that and build for the future. Don't take McCall Bridges. He's supposed to go to Philadelphia. Let it happen. It's a prophecy. I actually think just regularly taking Wendell Carter is the best move for them. I think it is. Regardless that's, that's of, who, who, regardless of which taken. LeBron stays or leaves, Wendell Carter would yeah. be a very good fit in Cleveland. As like yeah, Al Horford so. laid, I think it'd be good. Um, but, okay, so probably not staying in Cleveland. Let's move on to Houston, the very popular Houston Rockets choice. Do you want me to walk through how the Rockets can possibly get the cap space to sign LeBron James? Do tell. Step one, and this is how it's, this is the easiest way. Renounce Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Get rid of Chris Paul's cap rights and you can sign LeBron. Problem is you can't bring so Chris can, Paul back then. <laughs> right, so you can go play against Golden State with, before you even make the finals in the Western Conference. With LeBron and James Harden, and there you go. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's, that's going to be enough. The two, two ball-dominant guys, even though LeBron said he wants to play off the ball, so I'll give him a chance with that one. Um, and Clint Capella are going to beat the Warriors. Okay. And I'm sorry, is, is Houston really going to pay for Clint Capella if they're bringing in LeBron? Probably not, but... Like, I don't know how deep their pockets I'm, they're are. They're just talking about salary cap, so that's just right now, yeah. that's the easiest way. They don't want to do that. They want to keep Chris Paul. So you can't waive Chris Paul's capital. Do you have to keep his thirty-five million there? Mm-hmm. If the Rockets and he said he's not signing for anything yeah. less than a max. If the Rockets renounce every other player on the roster, every other free agent that they currently have, that includes Capella, Ariza, everyone, they're at, I believe, five million in cap. Mm-hmm. If they renounce everyone, so. They would still need to clear $30 million in cap space. There are only two players that sa- whose salary adds up to that amount of money. Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. Teams would want Eric Gordon. The problem is, if you're the Rockets, the Brahmin want to play with Eric Gordon, so you can't really get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And no one wants problem. Ryan Anderson. There it is. Nobody wants He's Ryan He's still making Anderson $20 anymore. million, dollars, not just next year, but the following year. Yep. So why would any team take on $40 million of Ryan Anderson's salary in any trade to help you sign LeBron James? It's not going to mm-hmm. happen. Not Even happen. if it did. And you sign LeBron. Your team is LeBron, Chris Paul, James Harden. 
Sounds great. Nene. Um, vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum, vet minimum. Yep. Is that enough to beat the Warriors? They bring in James Jones. Yes. Sharpshooter LeBron buddy. James Jones. Tag along Perfect. of the year. Kendrick Perkins. Yep. They can't fill enough spots on that roster with yep. meaningful it's talent terrible. to beat the Warriors. Particularly because I yeah, expect because... the Warriors to dump Zaza and JaVale and rock with Jordan Vell and Calvon Looney as their bigs, and so they can actually get some bench wing depth to, to deal with Andre Higadala. finals MVP JaVale McGee. Okay, I'm sorry, but the Warriors desperately JaVale need... balling. The Warriors desperately need bench wing depth. They need it so badly. So unless they're, like, they're rookie with their first round pick, that's step one, and then vet yep. minimum wings. Get them in there. That's it. I just, I just want to put some respect on JaVale McGee. He's been name, playing well. I'm not, I can't deny that. He's been playing very well. Dominating. So, yeah. Can we please stop talking about LeBron to the Rockets? It's just not salary cap feasible. It's just not. It's, it's pretty Unless unrealistic. LeBron decided not to take a max contract or like play which for $5 happened. million, dollars, which LeBron is not going to yeah. play for $5 million. And if he does, I will eat crow. But until then, it's not going to happen. So we're yeah. down to two teams that can realistically afford him. Mm-hmm. The Lakers and the Sixers. Now the Sixers do need to do some cap finagling to sign LeBron James. It's renounce all of the rights to their free agents, which means nothing because Isn't a big deal. None, none of them have bird rights. So you just renounce every one of them and then you clear about 25 million in cap space. Pick up TJ's option. Decline Rashawn Holmes' option. You're at like $27 million. You have to either trade Jared Bayless and mm-hmm. trade Justin Anderson, and that gives you $35 million, which is feasible. It's not likely, but feasible. Or you stretch Bayless and trade Anderson and TLC in other small contracts that you have to get to $35 million. Mm-hmm. All of that is... Easily done. You could do that. You could yeah. feasibly get yeah. to pay to $35 million. So the Sixers can do it. The Lakers can also do it because they have all enough expirings to get that done. And they can put uh, dealing with Julius Randle and still do it. If they trade Glue All Dang, they can possibly make another space room for another max contract on top of LeBron James. So... In order, if for that to happen, LeBron James would have to decide that the team of LeBron, Paul George, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and maybe Julius Randle is beating the Golden State Warriors. It's not. Not even close. So, totally if LeBron not. decides to go to the Lakers, it's because he wants to live in L.A. That's it. He yeah, doesn't care it. about basketball. He, figure, he figures, I will never beat the Warriors no matter what team I go to. I want to live in L.A. because I think it's the best move for me career-wise. As it, like After basketball, I've mm-hmm. done all I can. I just stat pad and live in L.A., and hopefully that makes that, my legacy outside of basketball stronger. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the Sixers, he maybe wins a champ, championship or two or three or four, depending on how many like how many other moves come in and the development of certain of other Sixers players and whatever else. But it's feasible that he could see himself back in the finals in the East as either the, I think, the best or second I best or whatever he, player. Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's on the Sixers, they're in the finals. Auto, I think. I, don't, I really don't think Boston is a problem to a Sixers team with LeBron James. LeBron beats Boston with bumps. Yeah. You give him Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, Robert Covington, maybe Markel Fultz, maybe J.J. Reddick comes back on a mid-level Which is impossible. A, a top 10 pick in the draft. I mean, I think LeBron, that team gets to the finals every year, in my opinion, mm-hmm. unless something catastrophic happens. Um, and uh, you look at the matchup, I think that team has a chance at winning it all. It's very possible because that team would be so that would te- that team of just length, the pure length mm-hmm. of Simmons, LeBron, Embiid, Covington, and probably Redick. They'll play Redick. 
Um, mm-hmm. The shortest guy on the court, 6'4". All of them except Redick can play defense. And Redick is feasible. And is, is not feasible, passable on defense. Mm-hmm. You can stick him on probably Clay. You probably want him running on Clay. Um, and just hope Clay doesn't go off. But then you can put some form of Covington on Draymond, LeBron on Durant, Simmons on Curry, have Embiid floating around as your free safety rim protector on whatever five man that the Warriors have, and there you go. You can defensively yeah. match up, and the Sixers would be the only team that could defensively match up with the Warriors. You can very easily throw in just a big ball lineup of Simmons, Covington, LeBron, Sark, and Bede, and have LeBron be the smallest player on the court, mm-hmm. which I don't think has ever happened in the history of basketball, well, where LeBron is the smallest man on Cub the court. Is Cove taller than LeBron? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I think Cove's 6'9". Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so LeBron would be the shortest person in the basketball court. LeBron would be the shortest person on the court. And you've got some, I mean, it's not like you don't have shooters. Covington can shoot it. LeBron can shoot it. Sark can shoot it. And can B can stretch the floor. I, th- I think that shot's developing. And if you, if by some miracle, and it's not much of a miracle, but it's some form of a thing, Marco Fultz's jump shot comes back. Then mm-hmm. you're looking at a rotation of Simmons, Fultz, LeBron, Covington, and Bede. In which case, Every wingspan is six nine or longer. <laughs> yep. Everyone's an athlete. Everyone can play defense. That that team would be an even better matchup with the Warriors because mm-hmm. you could put Simmons on Clay and put Fultz on Curry, and just will lock up. What's the, what's their answer to Joel Embiid? They don't have one. No team, no team in the one. league has an answer to Joel Embiid except for the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, when... Because the thing is, like, the Warriors can dodge issues of centers because most centers can't guard Draymond Green, and it just leads to a ton of threes for the Warriors because they run them around a bunch. Embiid can defend on the perimeter at 7'2". Mm-hmm. And Draymond Green can't guard Joel Embiid. I'm sorry. Draymond Green's one of the most versatile defenders in NBA history. He gives up seven inches to Joel Embiid. Yeah, it's not. It's a wrap every time in the post. Yeah. So that's that stuff. And before we like completely leave the podcast, I want to bring up some of the draft stuff that's been going around. Um, mm. Some rumors, some things, some reports and takeaways. Stuff that I'm hearing. One, Mo Bamba running a three-quarter court sprint faster than Westbrook, Wall, Harden, yeah. <laughs> Lillard, <laughs> those guys. Um, I don't know how much of that is real. Regardless, very impressive. Yeah, Does I it mean... change anything about where Mo Bamba goes in the draft? No. No, it doesn't. He's, he's number five in my eyes, and that's just it. He is, he's an athletic um, marble and a physical specimen, but he's he's five. He's locked in. Yeah. Maybe lower if the Mavericks had the pass on him, but and he's uh, there are four clear prospects ahead of that uh, should be ahead of him. That, which brings us to report two: Luka Doncic falling because team yeah, Sacramento, Atlanta, shady and me. Memphis want American bigs. This seems shady to me. I think it's a smokescreen. I think so. To try too. to delve up trade interest. Um, maybe. Say it happens. Say he slips past two and three and is sitting there at four. Who calls? Mm-hmm. Presumably Boston, right? You'd think Boston would call? Is Boston going to take another 6 8 wing? I mean, they made an entire team of 6'8 wings. Why not? Stop it, Boston. <laughs> Would you trade Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and the Nets pick for Luka Doncic? Yeah. Uh, the Nets pick, the Memphis pick. Yeah. Well, that Memphis pick is going to be a lot, I think. What's the protection on the Memphis pick? It's like 1 through 3? Yeah, one, f- 1 through 5, maybe. Mm, I don't, maybe then. 
Well, it depends on how good you think. Yeah, Luke I don't is. know. We have to do a. It's interesting. At some other podcast closer to the draft, we have to do a ranking of prospects over the years, and where we where mm. we fit this class in. Just yeah, just I sticking with it with the sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen classes, where we would rank each player, mm-hmm. and I'm only talking mm-hmm. about where they they were coming out of the draft. So right. and our evaluations of them. So right. Donovan Mitchell going thirteenth in the draft is different from my evaluation of Donovan Mitchell. I had him in the top five, which is different than he actually was, which is top two or three. Jason yeah. Tatum going three, who I had evaluated at eight, and maybe being the best player in the class, has nothing to do with the fact that I evaluated him at eight, and it's going off of our evaluations of him in college. It's mm-hmm. just where the evaluations are. Yeah. Because we can't do it in hindsight. Doing it in hindsight's dumb. You have to go off of what you yeah. see on tape. In college. And it, yeah, I mean, it's really not fair to do it in hindsight, I think. Yeah. I mean, if, you were, if we're going back to 2015, it's just like, oh, Carl Anthony Towns and Simmons. Like, yeah. like, it, like, anybody can do that. Like, we would dig it back to 20 children and, like, um, Anthony Davis. Giannis. Like, nobody really would put Giannis up there on draft night. But in hindsight, I can Giannis put Giannis going number one. one. Like, no, Giannis was Giannis never is going totally one. the best draft prospect. Like, you can't yeah, do no, that. Yeah, it's, it's no cheap. one knew what to make of Giannis, considering he looked like he was playing on nine-foot hoops. Um, yeah. A lot of people thought it was a reach to take him at 15. Yeah, no, Giannis was not there. And the whole yeah. hindsight thing about, like, well, not only just Giannis should have gone one, but the... The Sixers and Sam Hankey should have taken Giannis because he fit their like youth and athleticism profile. No one knew what to make of Giannis. Let's stop adding him yeah. to history. No one knew what to do with him. It the, yeah. the Bucks lucked out, but they also tried to do the same thing with Thon Maker, and that didn't. So, like, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big hindsight guy when it comes to evaluating players. Um, Agreed. Yeah, no, we should do that at some point for some other podcast. Uh, uh, our breakdown of how he would score each prospect, because I think that matters. If you value Luka mm-hmm. Doncic at a significantly higher mark than you value Jalen Brown coming out of college, that's, that's true. a good trade. That's true. It all depends on where you think Luka ranks in comparison to these other players. Um, and I'm just previewing the board. Markel Fultz would be very high. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Fultz is very high. Um, so, yeah, that's just about that. Other than, are you expecting the finals to go beyond tomorrow night? I think it goes... I want to say it goes five, just to be polite. The gentlemen sweep. Um, I, th- I think they really want to sweep it. I think, they I think it it's a sweep. I think it's... A, I mean, I can't pick Cleveland in any of these games, you know? Like I feel like it's never the smart choice to think the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to win. Yeah, but I don't know if he wants to get swept. Yeah. Um, but regardless, I I mean, this series isn't getting past five. No, no chance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Um, I'm sh- I'm trying to write an article soon on projected three-point shooting for this class. Um, mm. I did a whole study based off of the nylon calculus projections, did some ad- changes in formula. It went back and scored most prospects, at least shooting prospects that were important, from 2017 to 2007. I got about 100, I got 100 names. Um, Fultz is not included because I couldn't take his actual NBA three-point percentage. Um, mm-hmm. But it's pretty much every important prospect from 2017 to 2007. I got 100 names. Ran a test, got with two different formulas, um, and used those to project this upcoming class. I just want to preface this ahead of time for those listening to the podcast, and I'm going to read the article. You cannot predict three-point shooting on a statistical model. Perfectly. You just, you can't. It's Statistical right. models are not meant to be, this is exactly what's going to happen. There's outliers. There are different kinds of projections. It, it's not perfect. You need to take this into account with 
the film you're watching because even last year Tatum's projection at like 33% seemed low mm-hmm. it's all a matter of how you're watching these guys and the statistical model because they can help but they shouldn't be the end all be all just like tape shouldn't be the end all be all for a prospect everything should mm-hmm. be included but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna get that out at some point um you might do a new mock soon yeah maybe another one as draft approaches um, yep we'll try to get that out as soon as possible um I didn't do an updated I did an updated board recently a big board but I'm not gonna go through the whole thing again now that some of the prospects have dropped out um mm-hmm. I might cut down the board um, to a smaller number of names and just bumping everyone up that didn't drop out. Um, but, or I might leave it. It depends. Um, we're busy. We have things to do. Um, but yeah. You got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Check out the website, doadraft.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Duo Draft Site. Um, I'm not going to plug myself. Uh, follow uh, Eric Jr. on Twitter. Um, True. Still balling. Still balling. Honest Abe. Enough canone sources. Fellow 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Follow them all. Tell them how proud you are that Brian Colangelo managed to destroy his place on the next NBA dynasty. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. The process always wins. It is undefeated. 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 All right. Peace out. Deuces.